Welcome to the Rotary Community Heroes of Hope. I'm your host, Judy Zulfikar, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my amazing co-host, Jamie Zinn, District Governor of Rotary District 5330. Together, we will take you on a journey to discover the incredible impact Rotarians have on our community and around the world. Get ready to be inspired by our Rotary Heroes of Hope. I am really excited to bring to the table today uh, Carol, who is going to be talking to us about Shelterbox. So how are you doing today, Judy? I'm doing good. I am have heard a lot about Shelterbox over the years. Our club specifically supports it. So I'm uh, looking forward to meeting Carol, learning more about Carol, and also learning how Shelterbox and Rotary work together to do good in the world. So, Carol, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Shelterbox and uh, what the mission is? Um, Well, being a Rotarian for many years, um, I was with uh, the Cathedral City Rotary and I went to a district conference. And at the conference, they had set up a Shelterbox tent and I'd never seen anything like it. I think we were in L.A., and I hadn't seen the tent before, and I I was curious, and I said, what is this? I said, why doesn't anybody know about this? So I made it my duty to bring Shelterbox to the Coachella Valley and to our Rotary District. So since this is is an audio sort of uh, environment, can you kind of explain to our audience what the Shelterbox tent looks like and then what it's used for? It is a um, it's a tent, a big tent um, that is used for disaster relief. Um, it it would house about ten people in a family if they've lost everything, and we're talking about um, big disasters all around the world. Um, it comes in a in a box, a big green box that weighs about one hundred and thirty pounds. Um, in the box is the tent itself. Um, and some equipment, um, pots and pans, uh, mosquito nets, um, blankets, anything that you might need that's not food or water. Um, All the equipment comes in the box with the tent and gets shipped out by the thousands to any area in the world where there's been a tragic disaster. And we've had many. So when you um, ship these out, well, first of all, where do they get shipped out from? And then once they get to that location, how do you disseminate them? How do you know where to send them? Okay, well, uh, Shelterbox has been around for uh, 23 years now. It was uh, actually a rotary club in England that started making these packs, like little uh, relief packs for um for people and it got so big and out of control that they turned it over to Shelterbox um, organization which is a non-profit organization um, so far in the 23 years we've supported two and a half million people around a hundred countries in the world um, we've responded to 300 disasters between 2004 and 2023 for example in the Philippines we have responded over 30 times. We have warehouses all around the uh, world and we strategically place 
um, our warehouses so that we can respond to a disaster within 24 or 48 hours with the equipment that's needed. And do you work through other nonprofit organizations in the country that you're going into, or is that through the government? Who do you connect with on the other side? On the other side, we work with men, many uh, other, um, I'm looking at them here, um, our partners in the field include, of course, Rotary International. That's our biggest partner. Um, the Red Cross, Habitat for Humanity, uh, the United Nations, UNICEF, uh, Doctors Without Borders are just a few of our partners. Um, so we organize this kind of like a war room and we get together with all of the other uh, organizations and we um, decide how to help the people. You know, Red Cross can help with medical food and water, um, other organizations, you've got to think about sanitation, um, safety. There's a lot of organizations involved and we're the, we're the part that um, helps with shelter and getting the people warmth and shelter and dignity um, because when you've lost everything and I've got lots of examples, um, you can imagine um, the Haiti earthquake, everyone remembers that one, that was in January of 2010 and we're still supporting Haiti over there with our tents. People, they don't throw them away. They still use them. So it actually becomes permanent housing for some of those that have been in a disaster area that, that's taking a long time, right? Yes, we have seen that. Um, people still living in the tents. And that's 13 years ago. And the $1,000 that is the cost to get one of these tents to a family um, has gone a long way. So uh, what happens with the tent after a family has finally been able to be placed someplace? What what do you do with the tent or do you leave that up to the recipient to? The beneficiaries uh, keep the tent. We don't go and pick them up or take them anywhere. But we've seen lovely examples of like places in Africa where, you know, they've, they've got their own lodgings now, but they use the tent as like a little store. So the ladies that make uh, rugs and clothing, they, they use it as a storefront. Um, there's lots of uh, examples that um, uh, people use the tents for, or they'll just store them away. In the case of the Philippines, they're in the, you know, they're, they're close by. They keep them close by because they know that they're going to get flooded out by some hurricane or, or something. So they keep them handy and use them. Um, but we never ask for them back. So that $1,000 really goes a long way. Yeah, I was going to say, mm -hmm. I mean, think about how they're being repurposed um, continually. Um, so you're helping many, many lives over and over uh -huh. again out of that same tent. Recently, there's been, um, we had the, um, the fire in Maui and we didn't respond to that because um, they, they do have criteria and they focus on remote, isolated and hardest hit communities and they have a, a criteria response. So um, they go through and I, I um, am po posting that on our district Facebook page today. Um, it's a, a series of thoughts. How do we help communities without putting ourselves in danger? Do they need our help? Um, so when we look at Maui, the, um, the people of Maui, I believe, um, are all 
situated elsewhere in the country and they've got help from our American government, there are unfortunately other places uh, that we're responding to right now. Just this week, we had a big earthquake in Morocco. We're on the ground in Morocco. There's um, This is the, the amount of um, people. 2,000 people died in that earthquake. Uh, so we're on the ground assessing needs there. Um, the buildings have been flattened and access roads are um, then they're destroyed basically and then um, before that just yet um, no just after that yesterday in Libya um, and we haven't heard of this on the news on our news um, 30,000 people have been displaced by flooding Oh, I did. I did see that. And funny enough, on TikTok, that a big, a large dam broke and uh-huh. flooded a major city. So we're monitoring that and to see if they'll reach out for help and if we can be of any assistance. But those are just two or three: Maui, Morocco, and Libya. So although we didn't help with Maui, what we did is we um, made a donation of. Shelterbox made a donation of $50,000 to the Rotary District 5000 um, to their foundation and they have been working, the Rotarians on Maui have been working so hard um, to give relief. For one example is that they've um, given people access to Wi-Fi. That's where our money, money is going. They've got um, medical facilities that um, have burn units that need money to buy um, to buy product to help the people. Um, they, they're helping with the schools over there. And this is Rotary. But a great example of how Shelterbox works directly with other organizations, specifically Rotary. Like you said, Rotary is the biggest partner. Now, Shelterbox is typically known as a box, like a big tote with mm-hmm. all these things in it. However, my understanding with Ukraine, for example, was the box wasn't wasn't the thing that was the need. You really do go in and assess and make sure that you're not just sending something over that isn't going to be helpful. So how did you, um, how were you flexible and how did you change your process with Ukraine to fit their needs? Okay, so the last reports I've got, we've helped 50,000 people in the Ukraine um, and another 30,000 people are getting support from us. Um, we, we sent over thermal thermal clothing because it's winter time now, a lot of solar lights, water carriers and stoves. We couldn't go into the country, but we based our operations in Moldova and Warsaw and um, worked with a partner over there and we supplied thousands and thousands and thousands of mattresses. As you can imagine, when the war started, everyone was evacuated and the refugees were coming out of uh, Ukraine. But the young men that and, and men of a certain age had to stay behind. And that the cities were being bombed and they had nowhere to shelter except for underground. So they're underground sleeping on concrete. So we provided mattresses at least to give them some comfort so that they could uh, sleep well. So um, on the borders, we set up, um, I, I, I don't know, um, tents uh, to provide help for the refugees that were evacuated from Ukraine. So uh, we set up tables outside um, of the borders and we were giving cash to the refugees so that they could at least take a train and get somewhere where they need. We, we decided to give them cash. Um, 
and we're still there in Ukraine working um, wherever we're needed. Um, but that's one example of conflict and war. Um, the, the war in Syria has been going on for 13 years now, and we've been there from day one. So, Carol, I think some of our listeners, um, they might not understand that you do more than just provide shelter. Uh, you started to touch on that earlier, how you were providing other types of supplies, mattresses. Can you talk a little bit more about that, um, about how you expand into other areas just besides shelter? Because we have a team that assesses the situation and finds out what's needed, um, we've learned over the years that if we... Um, find the products that are needed near or in the country, um, it's it's a better operation. So with the mattresses, we didn't ship them all out from America. We went to mattress suppliers in the Ukraine or countries surrounding and got them delivered. Um, but it just depends. If we go to a hot country, for example, Africa, um, they're not in, in need of gloves and hats, but they really would need mosquito nets that would um, help them um, not get malaria um, because that's one of the, the worst cases when you um, have a disaster is disease. So um, we just, there was a, I think there was an earthquake in Japan where we sent hats and gloves as well as warmer blankets along with the tents. Um, and supplies. Um, another example would be when we had Hurricane Sandy in New York. Um, although it's an American country, you know, we're American and the government helps out, um, we were finding that people needed warm clothing. Um, so we did send hats and gloves and blankets and we set up um, in their convention centers in New York City um, some tents. Uh, inside the convention center so that people had somewhere to rest. And one of the things that you had mentioned earlier is it's also about privacy and humanity and really giving, because the tent gives a person, they're not out in the elements, I mean, and that gives them the opportunity to try to find some type of normalcy in the middle of, of a crisis. Some religions, and they take this all into consideration, um, you know, you can't have a man sleeping in the same place as a woman or they don't, you know, they're very humble and they don't get undressed in front of each other. Um, so there's privacy screens actually built into tents. I, I understand you're an international organization and Rotary International, Rot Rotary clubs all over the world are donating and participating and working side-by-side -side with Shelterbox. Can you speak specifically to District 5330 and maybe if you have an idea of how many of our clubs are actually participating with Shelterbox? Yeah, well, actually, um, Shelterbox is a Rotary International Project partner um, since 2012. So that means that we're recognized by Rotary International as a partner and um the clubs, um, if they have an international project, they can help us. We've got 60, 61 clubs in um, District 5330. Um, one good example um, in the Himalayas, and I think you both know Shab, when he was a district governor, um, there was a big earthquake up in on the on the mountain there, and um, every club participated, and we raised sixty thousand dollars. Um, it, unfortunately, and it's always the way, it takes a disaster for everyone to um, 
contribute to shelter box and how we help around the world. Um, but we do rely on Rotarians um, in the area of disaster to point out where the need is. Um, um, but Rotary and Shelterbox have got a special partnership and in our District 5330 um, we've got a special program called Heroes and I think I handed out at our last district conference um, something like 12 Hero Awards to our Rotary Clubs in 5330 um, because they consistently give money every year. So there's this, the hero is you get a bronze for the first year, you donate $1,000 and then a silver award for the second year and a third year would be the gold award. It's just a, a certificate of thanks. Um, well, it ties but nicely I've in. Had, it ties nicely in with our Rotary Heroes, uh, or Rotary Community Heroes of Hope, and we are so excited that you came and talked to us today and let us know a little bit more about all the work that Shelterbox is doing and the partnership that that Rotary and Shelterbox have. Yes, we thank you so much for the partnership, and I know that you're out front and center every time we have an event here in the district, and we support you 1,000% and so appreciate everything that you're doing here in our country and across the world. So thank you for being such a valued partner with us and allowing people to continue to have hope when sometimes it seems that everything is falling apart around them. Yeah, it's just my job to spread the news, to spread the word and make sure that everybody knows about um, Shelterbox. The Red Cross isn't the only volunteer organization helping when there's been a disaster. Um, <clears throat> I, I enjoy the people. Um, I do post regularly on the district's uh, 5330 Facebook page. So for updates, uh, people can look there. Um, our website is shelterboxusa.org. People can find up-to-the-date information on anything that we do um, right there on our own website. And, of course, I'm, I'm always at a district event with that tent. So if someone wants to, they can come and visit and feel the experience. So I thank you for having me today. Thank you. Thanks. So that wraps up this episode of Heroes of Hope. We are so happy that we have an audience out there listening. We want you to subscribe, share, and tell your friends about the Rotary Community Heroes of Hope because that's how we get the word out about the impact we're having in this world. 